This episode of Ministry Monday is sponsored by GIA Publications. Rooted in tradition with a clear focus on the future, Gather 4th Edition from GIA Publications features a diverse roster of composers and a wide breadth of musical styles in a worthy hardbound hymnal. Gather 4th Edition. Learn more at giamusic.com forward slash hymnals. From NPM, the National Association of Pastoral Musicians, this is episode 210 of Ministry Monday. Ministry Monday is a weekly podcast about music, ministry, and liturgy produced by the National Association of Pastoral Musicians, or NPM. What is NPM? NPM is a national association that fosters the art of musical liturgy. The members of NPM serve the Catholic Church in the United States as musicians, clergy, liturgists, and other leaders of prayer. For more information, go to npm.org forward slash join. Have a question? Email us anytime at ministrymonday at npm.org. Hello, and welcome to Ministry Monday. I am your host, Amanda Bruce. If you haven't done so yet, please subscribe to Ministry Monday wherever you listen to podcasts each week. And hey, thanks for joining us today. Well, September is Deaf Awareness Month in the United States. To a deaf person, being deaf is not a disability. In fact, it is a subculture of its own that provides new, beautiful ways for communication and worship in our church today. Today, we listen to a replay episode from March of 2020. In that episode, I spoke to Karen Shepard. She is the director of the Deaf Choir for the Diocese of Pittsburgh for almost 20 years. Karen explores with us what is a deaf choir, as well as exploring the subtleties of an interpreted mass versus a signed mass. Karen also spearheaded the installation of a hearing loop system in her church and shares what we need to know as pastoral musicians should we ever want to install one in our own churches. Now, just to be clear, as I mentioned last week, this is the second week in our series on deaf ministry and music ministry, and I'd like to just make sure that we have a common understanding. I've worked with the deaf community in my parish for seven years, and the terms deaf person and deaf people are not negative. However, the terms disabled person or disability hold much more tension than the former, and Karen's going to get into that today. Karen joins us from her home in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Okay, today on the call we have Karen Shepard. Hi, Karen. How are you? Hi, Amanda. I'm well, thanks. Good, good, thanks. Now, before we get started into the meat of our topic, would you mind giving a brief introduction of yourself? Uh, yes, my name's Karen Shepard. I'm the Director of Deaf Ministry at St. Mary of the Mount Church in Mount Washington, uh, a neighborhood of Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Our uh, church is also merged with a South Side neighborhood, Prince of Peace Church. Uh, but I am the Director of the Deaf Ministry, which takes place mostly at St. Mary of the Mount. In my former life, I was a school teacher, and I got involved in signing and working with the deaf at St. Justin Church, and now I'm with 
the deaf at St. Mary's where we've merged. Very nice. Now, how did you get into deaf ministry in the first place? Well, many years ago, a friend of mine was interested in learning sign language and invited me to take a class together, just a non-credit class. And I was a teacher, so I thought that sign language would be a good tool to use in my classroom with the students, and, and it was. So I continued to take some sign language classes, and in one class, we were given an assignment that we had to meet deaf people and write a summary of our conversation. And if we didn't know any deaf people, we were welcome to go to this church in Pittsburgh um, and then join them for coffee and donuts afterwards, and the deaf people would be glad to have conversations with us. So I went to Mass with my friend, and uh, as the Mass began, this group of deaf got up and began to sign the entrance hymn. And I turned to my friend and said, oh, I love that choir. I want to join that choir. And as I say, apparently God was listening because all these years later, I'm directing that choir. (laughs) So you went from just going to one Mass to being the deaf choir director. So how, I mean, how did that evolve over time? Well, I started going back to that church, uh, to that mass, because I really enjoyed it and it was helping me learn sign. Um, And I would just sit and try to sign the songs along with the choir. And the folks in the choir would reach out to me and encourage me. And um, at that time, a woman by the name of Karen McGann was directing the choir and all of the deaf ministry for the Diocese of Pittsburgh, but she was battling cancer. And one week, she was just not able to come to Mass, and one of the members of the choir approached me and asked if I could lead the choir. And my response was, well, no, I really can't. I'm, I don't sell, sign well enough. And he said, well, we'll help you, because if you can't direct us, we can't have a choir today. So I just did my best, and with the help of those faithful people and the Holy Spirit, I'm sure, um, we got through the Mass well. And so after that, from time to time, Karen would be too weak to come to Mass, and I would direct the choir. So um, Karen knew that her health was failing, so she asked me if I would just take over the responsibility for the choir so that they would have some consistency So with her help, that's how I became the director. Wow. And how long have you been the director of the Deaf Choir? I've been for about 20 years. Now, there were a couple of other people who, on an interim basis, came in who, you know, were far more skilled than me. And then if they moved on, then I came back again. And now I've been with them pretty consistently for about the last 15 Okay. Wow, that's great. I want to talk about one major thing, too, to kind of set the framework for this conversation. You've mentioned that you're the Deaf Choir Director, and this is a podcast for primarily pastoral musicians and those who work in ministry in a church. And so I have to ask, what is a Deaf Choir? Well, our Deaf Choir is a group of faithful Deaf people who can't hear the lyrics to the songs, but they can feel the pulse of the music and they want to participate in the prayer of the songs and share that with other deaf folks. So at our assigned Mass, I sit in the front of the congregation, and the deaf choir stands facing the congregation, and I sign the message of the lyrics, and it's not a word-by-word translation, but an interpretation into American Sign Language, and they copy my signs for the congregation. Okay, and they do it all simultaneously, right? 
Yes. Yes. Okay. All yeah. right. So there's kind of a visual aspect, of course, to sign language in general, but there's a, a visual aspect of blend, if you will, in a deaf choir versus a hearing choir works to blend their voices and the way they sing, but a deaf community tries to blend by the gestures that they are reflecting out to their audience, for lack of a better term, right? Yes, okay. that's correct, because their facial expression, their body language is all part of the language as well as the movement of their hands. So a lot of, like I said, a lot of people that are listening probably work in a church but don't necessarily have a full-on deaf ministry in their church. But I think it's so critical for us to set a context so that if anyone, you know, encounters those who are deaf in their parish or a deaf choir or some type of deaf ministry, they have an idea that there are definite differences to consider between music in hearing and music in deaf communities? Because music in deaf communities does exist. But what are some of the things that you have learned in your many years as the choir director between hearing music and preparing music for a deaf community? Well, in my experience, that when our deaf choir signs whatever the hearing canter or the choir is singing so we don't make our own choices so in my experience the very fast songs are hard because you're trying to get the whole message in very quickly and Mm -hmm. make it clear Mm -hmm. very slow songs are even harder because some signs can be held like a note but some signs can't and then there is an awkward pause while we're waiting (laughs) to kind of catch up Mm -hmm. but those are just logistics of the aesthetic matching of the pacing of the signing to the music. Um, But interpreting from English to ASL, as I said, is not a word-by-word translation. So American Sign Language has its own structure and grammar, and it's very conceptual. So I struggle with lyrics that are poetic or symbolic in a way that has to be explained in a more concrete way, but within the timing of the music. Uh, I mean, I I could give you an example, like the the song we do at Mass, uh, Holy Wisdom, Lamp of Learning. I really struggled with that hymn to think, well, how will I do it? Because the lyrics are really poetic, and the one verse has these music references, but you have to make clear what the message is, so those kinds of things are difficult for me because my interpreting skills are not at the level of a certified interpreter. But generally, the combination of the beauty of the music and the beauty of the signing makes for pretty powerful prayer, whether you're a deaf person or a hearing person in the congregation. Mm -hmm. I want to actually take a minute, if you don't mind, and talk about a conversation you and I just had yesterday, actually. Uh, So... Let's talk a little bit about the Jesse Manabusen song, Open My Eyes, Lord, because I think there is a, a pastoral sensitivity for those that are listening to consider how lyrics for the hearing community translate into the deaf community. Now, Karen, I should also give you some context that this is part two of our podcast on uh, deaf ministry. And the first episode was by Father Walt Ridson. And Father Walt mentioned in the podcast that to a deaf community, 
being deaf is not a disability. That's correct. The entreaty, the, the prayer, open my ears, Lord, I want to hear your voice, comes with a little bit of tension. Would you mind just kind of sharing what we talked about yesterday? Yes, it was really interesting because the message of that entire song is just, you know, let me accept God's way and follow and find salvation in that way. And we've done this song many times over the years, and you know, we signed the lyrics pretty much the message that it says to, you know, just open myself to accept God. And one of the choir members, who generally is not very outspoken, just came up to me after Mass and she said, I'm wondering why we're saying, open my ears, Lord, and let me hear your voice, because we don't hear God's voice. For them, they feel God's call. So we just had a discussion about yeah, we we should think about those words and think how we can get the same message across, but not say, open my ears, because for them, it's more of an issue of like, open my mind to accept your words. Mm-hmm. So you know, even after all these years that I've been doing this, we still make changes along the way to make things more clear, to as people's... Uh, learning of their own faith changes, then they're thinking about what we are exactly are signing because it is a prayer. Then we have conversation back and forth about changing things or making things more clear or choosing a better sign for something than what I had been using. So, yes, that was very interesting. Not that it came up, but that it came up after all this time. Right. But because every time it comes up in any of the readings or the songs and the blind will see and the deaf will hear, you know, they they always respond like, well, it's not like we needed to be saved in that way. Mm-hmm. Our, our life is good. Our life is faithful. We don't think that because we're deaf that that needs to be cured necessarily. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's powerful too. That's wonderful. It is, and and then their that testimony to their faith is powerful. Also, that you know they're really living that Thy will be done. That mm-hmm. you know they're they're deaf. That's their culture. They're proud of their culture, and they they don't think that's an excuse not to come to mass and pray and be part of the body of Christ. Right. Right. Exactly. Okay, so we talked about the deaf choir and, of course, the subtleties when, you know, translating music from English to American Sign Language. But let's talk a little bit about having a signed mass versus an interpreted mass. So I'm sure a lot of people who are listening have probably been to, at the very least, a social event if not a diocesan event or an event at their own church that has been interpreted. That's something that we see probably fairly prominently in culture, but we may not see it in a mass fully. So can you, for the listeners, explain the difference between a signed mass and an interpreted mass? Uh, the, The difference mainly is inclusion. At an interpreted mass, A hearing person listens to the spoken words of the priest, the lectors, cantors, choir, and uses American Sign Language to convey the content for the deaf people. Many churches have interpreted masses, and they provide, you know, access to the mass for the deaf. You know, it's a wonderful service. 
At our signed mass, the difference is hearing person might interpret in American Sign Language for some of the speakers, but the mass is unique in that we have deaf lectors who stand right alongside the hearing lectors. We have a deaf response leader who stands and signs the prayers that the congregation says so that our deaf members are praying right along with the hearing folks. They're not just watching. We have deaf Eucharistic ministers, and in the past we've had deaf altar servers and ushers and other ministers. And, of course, we have our deaf choir that signs while the cantor or hearing choir sings. So the sign mass has the same opportunities for the deaf parishioners to participate as the hearing parishioners. So that's the difference between being interpreted and having having access to the mass or being signed and having access to the ministry of the Mass. Right, and there are a lot of people on this call who have bilingual liturgies that are both hearing languages. So let's say, for example, English and Spanish is a good example. Right. And I know that there are people I talk to across the country, primarily even in the South and Southwest, that have a, in these larger parishes, they have a simulcast translation where someone is a volunteer and they sit and they at the same time volunteer to translate into Spanish for certain members of the congregation that have kind of like a almost like a hearing aid that they go into their ears so they can hear it in their own language. So in that way the assigned liturgy or or an interpreted liturgy but especially assigned liturgy is really two it's it's very practically two languages happening at the very exact same time right it is absolutely two languages because mm-hmm. american sign language is its own language with its own structure its own grammar its own rules so it's absolutely two different languages and you'll notice sometimes that at Mass, we have a pause where either the person who is signing is finished signing because they've made things more concise, or the person who is speaking is finished speaking, and the person who is signing, whether it's an interpreter or a deaf minister, is continuing on to finish what they were saying because it's not a side-by-side, word-by-word match. Mm-hmm. Right, right, right. So the last thing I wanted to talk about is a practical application that I would even say spans beyond not just deaf ministry, but also for those who have hearing impairment in a church. And if you're open to it, I would love to talk a little bit about a hearing induction loop system in a church. Now, this is something that some churches have, some don't. But I think that a lot of people would really benefit to hear your research of what a loop system can do for a church. Would you be okay talking about that? Sure, to the best of my knowledge, because (laughs) I did not even know that term until it came up at our church as a possibility to enhance our sound system. And then I started learning very quickly (laughs) the information about that. Um, Hearing loops, I believe, are pretty popular in Europe, but in the United States, not as widespread. There are certain areas where they are used, but they're gaining popularity because they send a signal through the sound system to a person's hearing aid or cochlear implant through the telecoil in those hearing devices. So it's not just an amplified sound, but it's geared to their 
hearing aid has been calibrated to their hearing needs or their cochlear implant has been calibrated. And so when that message signal from the loop goes into their hearing device, it is calibrated to their needs. So it makes for a much clearer sound. So the loop itself is literally a wire that loops around the seating area and in our church, the altar area that sends the signal from our sound system to people who are within that loop. So someone walking down the street wouldn't really pick that up in their hearing aid, but people within the building do. It was recommended for our church by a member of the deaf community who had been in another church that had that and just couldn't believe how clear the sound was for him. So we looked into that as part of our sound system, and it has been quite helpful for, as you said, not only people in our what we call our deaf community, but people in the hearing community who have hearing aids that also struggle to hear sometimes in, in a church. Right, exactly. Now, I want to caution, though, of course, that this is not a foolproof method, right? I mean, there uh, we have found, you and I, that there are certain unique situations with older churches and older buildings, right? You're right. There are unique situations, but they're unique situations about all buildings, mostly depending upon the materials that they were made from. Um, when we had estimates done at our church, St. Mary of the Mound, all of the installers that looked at it were just happy to see we had wooden floors between the basement and the church sanctuary. So they thought this is good, just going to be great for the signal to get through because if buildings have newer buildings, oftentimes have metal or stone that can diminish the signal. And they set up a test signal loop and it all worked great but once we had ours installed we ran into difficulties because of the older electrical system there was humming and grounding issues that we had to go back and see but thankfully the sound system folks the loop folks uh, people from our own church that had knowledge of the electrical difficulties were able to come in and diminish it but we do have an area of interference in one little section of our church that's just near all the electrical boxes, and that's just because of the older electrical wiring in the building. So it's not it's not foolproof with any any given building, but it's a big help. It's a big help for it, a lot of people. Correct. And the people that use the loop in our church, they've found their spot in church where the sound is really good. You know, the closer you are to the walls, the outer pews, because that's where the loop runs around, that's better. In the back of the church, actually, it's very good hearing because that's away from where the electrical boxes are. So, mm -hmm. yes, it's, it's it's not absolute no interference from anything because no system is. We We intentionally looped around our music area and left it outside of the loop because you can get microphone or amplifier interference in the loop. So people that install are very knowledgeable and they just make sure that they look out for those problems and then come back and resolve if there are. But you're right, it's not foolproof. 
but it's certainly a big improvement. Good. I'm so glad to hear that. And for those who are listening, I will put some information in the show notes of the episode about hearing in induction loop systems, if that's ever something you want to consider for your parish. Now, really, we're pretty much done here, Karen. So my last question to you is, is there anything else you wanted to touch on or anything you want the listeners to know? Um, I, I think that I want to reiterate Father Walt's point that the people in our deaf community do not consider themselves to be disabled in any way. Their faith is just as strong as anyone else in the community, and they just pray in their own way. And sometimes their way is with their hands, and they can be sitting beside a person using their voice, but those prayers are all in unity together going up to praise the Lord. That is their purpose in being in the choir and being in the ministry is to serve God despite their deafness. It's just what their gift to God is, is to give that prayer right back. Thanks to both Karen Shepherd and Father Ridson for their devotion to bridging the gap between hearing and deaf communities and helping us understand the complexities and joys of working with both simultaneously. The recording of Wondrous was produced by GIA Publications and today's theme music was produced by Aaron Schaus. Today's episode of Ministry Monday was produced by me, Amanda Bruce. That's it for today. With the Spirit's gifts empowering us for the work of ministry, thank you for listening. Have a great week, and we'll see you back here soon on Ministry Monday.